anxiety is the fear of the unknown, right? A lot of times when we try to look away from it, it becomes a boogeyman. It becomes a lot bigger than it needs to be. So the goal is to face that boogeyman, face that big bad wolf and realize that that it's just a puppy or, or the boogeyman is just a, a, just a coat in the closet. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 40. Today, I welcome Alfonso Nathan. He is currently the vice president of a private counseling practice, Brightside Counseling, and the co-owner of a psychiatric practice, Brightside Medical Associates. Alfonso obtained his undergraduate degree in psychology at Bloomsburg University, where he also was a multi-year starter and all-conference letterman on the Bloomsburg University football team. Alfonso then obtained his graduate degree in clinical and counseling psychology at Chestnut Hill College. Prior to college, Alfonso attended the Milton Hershey School, a boarding school for at-risk youth. Because of his versatile background, Alfonso has taken specialties in many areas. He helps individuals deal with depression, anxiety, anger management, spectrum-based disorders. He also serves as a sports psychologist. He is a motivational speaker. He speaks throughout the United States. He is also the co-author of an upcoming book for therapists with the desire to go into private practice called Practice Success, Steps for Building and Maintaining a Successful Private Practice. Please welcome Alfonso Nathan. Again, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So we have a few things in common. You're from Philly. That's right. Yes, yes. I lived in Philly for seven years. Mm-hmm. And you also, you, you played college football at Bloomberg College. Yes, yes. And I was um, the team physician for uh, Westchester when I did my sports medicine fellowship. So what years were you there? Um, I was there from 2005 to 2009. Yeah. So I was there because I was there from 2007 to 2008. Oh, look at that. You, we, we, we've crossed paths in the past. Look at that. Small world. Um, and also I'm a diehard Eagles fan as well. Me too. Me too. <laughs> that's that's why we link. That's why we connect. So. Did you do uh, play any other sports in college or high school other than football? In high school, I, I played um, I played football in in the fall. I played uh, I wrestled in the winter, and I did track in the spring. Um, we were we were really encouraged to be a three sport athlete to to be well rounded. Um, you you want to make sure you're always active, um, but you you don't want to get burnt out by just one sport. What was your favorite? Or did you have one? Football. Football is my favorite. So what position did you play um, in football? Um, in college, I, I was a defensive end. I was much bigger than this. 
I was, I was, I was, I was more of a speed rush. Um, what they call so you just go, you just go after the quarterback. Um, and I went after the quarterback, and I would just taunt, and I would have fun. That's what <laughs> that you know. If you were on the Westchester sideline, you probably remembered me because I was just. I was okay. right? <laughs> Did you have any significant injuries um, when you were in high school or college? Absolutely, my freshman year in college, um, I tore my PCL. Okay. Um, did you have to have surgery, or did they treat it non-operative? It was it was non-operative. Um, we just did a, it was just a lot of um, just just physical therapy in that. You know, when I first initially had that that injury, it, it kind of slowed me down because you know once you get an injury like that, you know you second guess your your talent, you mm-hmm. guess you know you know your steps. So I had to overcome that, and then my senior year. Um, I aggravated my PCL again, and then I then I had just ankle sprains upon ankle sprains, so high ankle sprain, low ankle sprain. So it was a tough senior year. But you made it. But I made it. I made it through. I pushed through. So what attracted you to the field of psychology? Absolutely, that's a great question. I went to this uh, this boarding school from eight, eighth grade to 12th. It was for underprivileged youth. It was called Milton Hershey School. And it was a school that, you know, pretty much changed your lives, changed lives. You know, I was, I, I wasn't originally from Philly. I was actually originally from, from Staten Island, New York. And, and um, it would, it, it wasn't the best place for, for somebody with, you know, with my potential growing up. Milton Hershey School changed my life. And so I, that was the first thing I knew that intervention changed lives. So, so when I was going into college, I was initially a biology major because I was going to be a pediatrician. That was my that was my my thing. And then, but it just it just didn't interest me as much as my psychology classes. And so as I started researching more and more just about the benefits of psychology and just the it's underrepresented in the black communities as well. I knew that you know one I'd I'd be one of very few, but it's something that just really interests me. And I knew that um be able to, if I can change one person's life for the better, I, you know, that makes, you know, it helps with my karma and, and it just makes the world a better place. When you were growing up, had you seen a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist at all? No, not in the black community. I didn't, I didn't know about psycho the work, the world of psychology until when I went to boarding school. I, I came from a West African family. So, so mental health is, it was not, it's just started getting talked about like, you know, a couple months ago, there's this thing called uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and mm-hmm. you know the the bottom of the need is your basic needs, which is like food and and shelter and things like that. So if you don't have that that need met, you can't really go more existential and and think about like you know you being depressed and stuff like that. So I, I didn't get introduced to the word psychology until like my senior year in, in high school. And I was like, oh, this is what this is all about. And it just started interesting me. It just stuck with me. What about college? Did you did you see any um, sports psychologist or um, psychiatrist you were in college? In college, I did. I unfortunately did not. I was not able to see any of those, any of those individuals. Um, I had friends and I had, I had God, right? It wasn't until, until after, when I when I really started to get into the field, when I started talking with other therapists and things like that, that that um, I really started pushing for for just met, you know um, just mental health awareness. So so like after I graduated, I, I I started getting a couple sessions, and I stopped for a while, and then I actually picked back up recently, um, just because you know I believe everybody needs to have an ear to listen to, and everybody needs to to invest in their mental wealth. 
So, um, so I go, I go once a month just because of my, my time frame. I wish I could go more, but I just don't have enough time to do so. You say mental wealth. Absolutely. So your mental wealth is for people who it's like a, I would consider it like a tune up. Like you don't really have any present issues, but just to mm-hmm. someone, a, a ear. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think mental wealth is that's, you know, because you, everything comes from your mind, you know, everything that we're looking at, everything that we created comes from your mind. So you got to make sure that you're, you're sharp. Life gets in the way, like, you know, stressors get added, new things happen. And, and so we got to make sure that we're always, you know, up to date and, and just sharpen with our, with our mindset so we can be able to attack any, anything that comes our way. So how did you get interested into the field specifically of sports psychology? My experience being an athlete, especially a football player, and, you know, people expect you as a football player to want, you know, to always not not show vulnerability, always be able to to bounce back from adversity just by yourself. And, you know, your coaches yell at you and things like that. I had a pretty good career, you know, and I was, um, you know, there there was some good expectations. But then what happens is, you know, when you don't meet those expectations, especially for our football players, life after football, it's a very you get, you get lost because once you're done playing foot like football, like organized football, you can't play a pickup game of of tackle football, you know. So once you're done, that you're you're done. So and then you know, and so you spend a good portion of your life wanting to you know go to the league or wanting to. You know, um, to you know, be on these stages, and and once you're done, then you start getting forgotten, and you know, especially after like an injury and all these things. So, so what happens is you you start you start suffering, you know, in silence. Especially back in the day, they just tell you toughen up, stop, you know, b i t c h man up, yeah, yeah. man up, and and just get it done, rub some dirt on it, but something you can't rub dirt on. So, so when I started in my earlier times of early years of, of just doing therapy, what attracted me was, you know, just a common experiences and interests. I initially started seeing kids, you know, children, adolescents and teens for behavior problems. And sometimes like the, some of the kids were, were athletes and, you know, they, they had an injury and, and like either from a concussion or just like, or just something or like from, um you know, like a, like a knee injury and, now they're sitting now they they're not used to this adversity and and it was hard for these these individuals to for anybody to reach them because they didn't really understand and they didn't they didn't they didn't want to express themselves so i started getting a lot more success from that and and after after i started getting success from from dealing with you know initially my it was my my football players you know from high school or kids from from college or anything like that, or even the young peewee kids, you know, I started really getting a niche with, with that and just um, word of mouth started spreading, you know, for just my, my talent in that. And then I started just seeing all different types of sports. So, um, cause I'm real big with, with, um, with dealing with, you know, helping dealing with anxiety, helping to, you know, deal with your, your, your performance, you know, sports started getting around. I started seeing gymnasts, like gymnasts was a big niche from, for me, you know, um, a lot of these girls, and they're really young, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of these girls and boys, you know, they, um, they just exhibit so much anxiety after, like, so after, like, they, they may, they may have done like a nasty fall, and and they they have a hard time dismounting. So I started being able to talk with those individuals um, to help get through that fear. So then I started, I added on, gym, you know, gymnastics. Then I I would have baseball players. 
basketball players. And it's not, you know, there's all different levels from, from, you know, peewees all the way up to pros, you know, that, then that just needed some guidance. Can you briefly, I guess, go into sports psychology, what it is for people who may not know what it is, never heard of it, or like know what it actually is you do with different athletes at different various aspects of the field and how long the field has been around. Understanding about the, the the importance of you know performance and and just overall mindset health in in your sports in, in the sports world, um, it can go from ranging from like you know when individuals are having you know slumps in you know in baseball or, or anything like that, like their their mindset is not there and they need that that just extra that extra help, that extra just non-judgmental person that's not their coach, not their parents, not their individuals like that, that can be able to help them overcome just a mental blockage. Also with, with injuries as well, a lot of times individuals feel, you know, after an injury, they, they feel like they don't they they're not gonna be the same person or same player like they were prior to it. So again, their that morale is down so much and and they just need again. They, they it's about overcoming that that block. It's been around for for you know a while. I mean, a good good portion. But I think it's been more in the forefront over these past you know five to seven years. The 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 evolution of the game, the evolution of our mindsets, and the more more the awareness of of mental health. You know, increased suicide for football. It's really been um, really big over these past, you know, five to seven years because of the, you know, because of the awareness of concussions and how that can really plague us who played this game. It's, it's, it's a field, it's a growing field, it's a field that's going to, you know, going to, I think going to continue to grow and it's going to continue to um, help out as many people as possible and on all levels. I see a big growth in the developmental years because what's happening is I, you know, I see a lot of kids dealing with burnout at a younger and younger age. Kids who like only like play one sport year round. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's usually around high school, high school age, like around ninth or 10th grade when all they're playing, like I have some kids, like all they play is basketball. So, so they, they have, you know, they have the AAU leagues and they have the fall, then they have their the regular, um, you know, regular winter leagues. Then this, the pressure is added even more because, you know, around high school time, you got to, now it's time to to really be serious so you can start picking a college and things like that. So that gets added on there and then they start losing the love of the game because it's just it's just feels like work, you know what I mean, not fun. So I've been seeing like some increase in burnouts prior to COVID. A lot of our athletes, you know, I have a couple of athletes who were looking forward to their their, you know, their their sports uh season to happen because they needed a, a scholarship. They needed you know, they needed a little extra recognition so they can um, be able to reach that next level. And now they're, they're, they're you know, season's canceled or the season is, is reduced. It's playing a big part, you know, a big part in their, their mental health and then learning how to, you know, overcome that, how to adjust. There still is a stigma regarding mental health. Do you find that patients who come to see you or let's say their parents suggest that you sometimes have to take time building the trust with some of your um, clients, so they'll basically understand that there's there's nothing wrong with seeking help. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, a lot of people come to me because um I can build I can build a rapport really 
really quick with, with especially with you know the the, the younger kids and the, the teens because I mean I'm I'm very up to date with with things with with how the world is working and stuff like that I, I like to consider myself a cool guy so you know what I mean so they they're more they're more um, open to to talking with me than you know maybe somebody that that may not understand sports or may not be as younger rapport is important. Um, for anything in therapy, because if they don't like me, they're not going to listen to me. If they don't respect me, you're not going to listen to me. So, so the first, the first two sessions, I'm really big on just solidifying that rapport. Season three, we will continue the new segment called "Ask the Doc." If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal injuries or musculoskeletal health, Go to my website, www.weouilife.com, click on the tab, voicemail, leave your voicemail, and select messages will be aired and answered on the segment. Now, back to the show. So I was doing some research on sports psychology and ways that athletes of all levels could benefit. Mm-hmm. And I come up with a few examples. I'm going to just, I guess, list the example and give an example from my sports experience or just a general sport. And you tell me like what yeah. treatment or how would you address their situation? So the first thing I saw was it improves focus and helps deal with distractions Say, like, say, a, I guess a baseball player is an example. There's instead of them worrying about their at bat and they're worrying about instead of them worrying about the hit, they're worrying about the last game they lost or the fact that they're running slow and they don't know if they're gonna make it to first base. How do you help your athletes to kind of focus at the test at hand? So, what I what I always tell my athletes is to play with amnesia. Okay. So, so, what that means is that you know. All we have control of is the here and the now. You know, you can look in the past, but when you start living in it, that's when that's when you start to lose focus. You know, you're starting to live in the past, and then we have to get you back grounded. The main thing I, I, I really work with them on is how we can learn how to play with amnesia. So, so not allowing that the that past to plague us for our future. Another one is growing confidence in athletes who have doubt. They're talented, but they don't believe in themselves or they compare themselves to someone else. Well, like I can give you a scenario, like me, for instance. I'm a triathlete, but I'm not the best swimmer in the world. So I just learned to swim in 2018. So every time, it's particularly open water swim, I freak out. I mean, I know I can swim, but people around me kicking me, hitting me, the fact that, you know, you don't know how deep the water is. And even like today, I went back to swimming class and I've been swimming in like, I swim like four times. I had surgery like two months ago. So I've been swimming in like a four foot pool. So today I swim in like a regular pool with the deep part. And even though I know I can swim when the, when the ground got a little bit lower, it's something in my mind, even though <laughs> it's in my mind, I'm like, it's deeper. I don't, I don't know why, but. So helping people build confidence, there's one thing I, I do. It's, it's called solution focus. 
uh, it's not focused on the problems of times when you're when you're failing. We focus on the times when you when you're succeeding. And and what we have to do, you have to you have to dissect that and duplicate that. Like why why am I confident in this situation? All right, and 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 how can I duplicate that into you know a certain time when 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 I may not be? And and what what it does, we remember the negativity a lot more than positives. Yeah, so we feel like okay, every single time I miss the ball, every single time I'm not I'm not good in the deep water. But and we forget about those couple times when we are we are fine with it. We have to shift shift that mindset more towards the the times when we are where we're getting these things done. So you throw people into situations that are not uncomfortable. Like me swimming with a whole bunch of people before a race. Mm-hmm. So when I get in a race, I'm not as I don't freak out. So systematic desensitization would be little by little. Okay. Not even throw, not even throwing you in the deep end. It's like you're chilling in the forefoot, and you're chilling. You're fine. You know, you're, you're chilling, and then you little by little, you're going, you're going in, you're going down, and and what it does, it helps again, helps build that confidence that you you are fine, you are you are okay. We have to break that fear. Anxiety is the fear of the unknown, right? A lot of times when we try to look away from it, it becomes a boogeyman. It becomes a lot bigger than it needs to be. So the goal is to face that boogeyman, face that big bad wolf and realize that that it's just a puppy or or the boogeyman is just a, a just a coat in the closet. We just find different ways we process it to kind of help help desensitize you to that that situation. And another one was developing coping skills to deal with setbacks. How do you help your clients, particularly, especially professional? Because mm-hmm. I remember when I went to the Eagles Bears game, what was that the playoff game yeah. when the field goal kicker <laughs> and hit the upright and fell off, and I was so happy, and everybody around me wanted to kill me because I was on Eagles fan in the area. Yeah, yeah. And they were like people on social media were like issuing death threats to this. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. Yeah, that that was that was definitely tough. I mean, he with field goal kickers, they they are either the hero or the sacrificial lamb. So I I, I give them all all props to just that amount of stress that they have to deal with. But again, uh, I think your initial question was just you know what are some coping skills we can give some some athletes to help them um, when they're going. Like the, you know, that's just kind of the, the amnesia again. Like you forget about that yeah. and move on. Yeah, but it, 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 it is a lot easier said than done. So. <laughs> So, so I, I try to I try to get them to to also remember the power of their words, right? Words are very powerful, right? Whoever says sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a, they're a liar because words are words are a powerful things. So it's about understanding what what are they saying to themselves because you have to realize that you know you're the most influential person in your life, right? You know you've been talking to yourself since you're you're in your your mom's womb all the way to you're gonna be gray in the hair. You know the importance of what you say to yourself will. Trump any anything that any coach or any friend will ever say, because you know your body is that is that machine in your mind, and what you're saying to yourself helps that machine move left and right, right or move around. So if you're telling yourself, a lot of times we don't we're not aware of it of just the negativity that we're saying to ourselves. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, I'm, I'm I'm gonna miss this. I'm gonna miss this. And what happens is, you do a self fulfilling prophecy, right? You know, if you have like a a math test. On Wednesday, and it's on Monday, and you're like, oh, I suck at math. I'm not good at math. Like, uh, I'm not going to pass this test. Monday, you know what you're going to do? You're not going to pay attention. Tuesday, you're not going to do the homework. You're not going to get good sleep. Wednesday, your mind's going to go blank, and guess what? You failed the test. See, I knew it. I, I'm no good. 
right? So it's really important about what what we say to ourselves, and so we can so we can get into a much more positive self fulfilling prophecy than anything. The main thing that I try to focus my athletes on is just the power of their words and and what they're saying to themselves. What what are some affirmations that they're saying? You know, to get them focused. What's their routine? Get them into a better muscle memory. Having them trust their muscle memory, because you know a lot of times when 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 something like this does happen. When a when a ball player misses a misses the easy layup, you know when when a receiver misses a, a ball, you know, it gets in their head, and then they forget that. And I ask them, I'm like, how many times have you done a layup in your career? Mm-hmm. They're like, I can't count billions of times. How many times have you caught a ball? Billions of times, exactly. So so it's safe to say that you're you know that your body you know how to do doing it. yeah right you have to exactly you you practice every single day you drill every single day to have this in your muscle memory now the only thing that's stopping your muscle memory from fully working is is your thoughts your your you so so we we work on ways how we can be able to help them you know trust in their muscle memory and it goes from just little by little you know sometimes you got to get back to the basics like you did like you just said you know you you did in some classes right we get back to the basics so we can trust we can remember that we can trust our muscle memory and then and it builds that confidence systematic desensitization right it's building that 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 confidence up and we're and what we're saying to ourselves all right i got this it's going to be some some affirmations all right all right boom i'm boom i'm going to win a chip this year i'm going to win a chip this year have the, those words in our heads to keep us focused keep us grounded so we can be able to perform at the optimal level. Something I do is eat, when I'm in a race and I freak out, I say these mantras, like something as simple as I can swim because I freak out and then I, I like remind myself that no matter what, no matter how slow I am, no matter how somebody kicked me in the head, I can swim and I'm not going to drown. <laughs> Absolutely. But that, but that's, but that's so true. And you remind yourself that because the most influential person in your life is is giving you that affirmation and it what it does it gives you that confidence it gives you that energy and it gives you that focus to to finish you know uh, your task another one is find the right zone of the intensity for your sport and the example i was thinking is say your your football season i'm thinking nfl like regular season versus playoff versus super bowl so i mean your intensity was on 10 in the playoffs and Super Bowl, but you need to stay focused because I know a lot of people choke in a big game because the moment is too big for them. And you need to realize, even though it is a bigger game, it's still a game and you still need to go about the same kind of processes. Absolutely. It's all about preparation and routine. Again, you got to activate your muscle memory, right? And the only way to activate your muscle memory is through that consistency. Having, you know, making sure you have that that good preparation before a game, you know what I mean? So, so you can help yourself, you know, like having the same playlist, you know, if you're, if you're a music listener, you, you're listening to, you know, I have some people who listen to the same three songs, one away game, same, you know, same three songs on a home game to get themselves focused and in the zone and ready to, to play, limit the distractions. Routine is going to be so important to allow you to, again, have the best, um, you know, uh, performance for your, with your muscle memory. And something else I read, which I didn't realize that uh, sometimes the sport psychologists can help the, the team as far as their communication and their cohesiveness, that you meet, you'll actually have sessions with the coach and the coaches. Um, I didn't realize that that was a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, chemistry is so important for team sports. 
you can have you can have great players, but if they they don't mesh well together, it's it's not going to work out. So it's so important to have that chemistry. You got to trust, you know, your your teammates. Because you know, for football, you got you got to trust the person next to you. The quarterback has to trust these linemen. You know, the you know our, the left tackle, that blindside lineman, that that he's going to make sure that he is safe. It's it's important to have that chemistry. And um, and to be able to communicate well, because when it is time to perform, you're going to need to have that nonverbal communication, that verbal communication, knowing your your teammates when it's time to set up a pick, you know, um, who's who's better for, for that pick and roll. Right. It's important to know, you know, how your teammate thinks, because it eliminates that extra reaction time that may have been needed in order to do that jumper, in order to run that route, you know, like a well-oiled machine. If you, the pieces aren't moving well together, it's not going to run smoothly. It's like, like with a car. Like if you got, if something rattling your engine, it's just not going well, you know, you're not going to be able to go to the top speed because, you know, it might fall apart. It might break down. But, you know, if, if your car is running at the optimal level and everything is running right, you can go at your, you can go at your top speed and feel comfortable at, with that. That makes sense. Another one is to improve or balance motivation for optimal performance. Basically, know your why. There's not a lot of athletes, like particularly, I'm sure, college and mm-hmm. adolescent. They may play a particular sport because their parents want them to or they think it's cool, but they're not really into it. Mm-hmm. Or, they, or their parent may want them to go pro, so they had them playing the same sport year-round, and they want to play something totally different. So I know that's... Absolutely. When you're in a sport for a longer period of time, you you start to either lose that initial why, or, and you need to be able to to find a different one. I mean, I was I was watching a documentary for Michael Jordan, The Last Stand. He he always tried to find a why. I remember one you know a game they, the Bulls didn't win, and the person from another team told you know after the game told Michael, hey hey good game. Michael said he he took that to offense. He said, he said I found that very disrespectful. So the next game, he shut that guy down to like two points and they, the, the Bulls demolished that team. Every single game, he tried to find that why. A lot of times when you're, when you're playing, you know, again, when you're playing in these higher levels, again, you start losing the, the love of it and you start getting burnt out. You want to try something different. So, you know, if you still want to continue it, you just need to find, okay, my why now is not, okay, um, to do it for my mom or do it for my, cause my mom and dad saying it. No, my why now is to to maybe be able to make it to that next level, and if you do make it to that next level, that my why is to make it to to a certain contract that I can be able to feed my family. You know, I can I can be remembered, having a legacy. You know, su- success I define it as leaving behind a legacy that you're proud of. Make that your why. You know, make your make your legacy. You know, more and more of of a of a prideful thing. You know, um, whenever they say your name, what do you want to be remembered as? You know, what do you want to be remembered by? Another um, reason to develop confidence post-injury. And an example could be me, because I've had 10 million injuries. Which I, talked to, I, I wrote a book called Runners Cheaper in Therapy. Mm. And I had a pleasure then, and I have continued to have them now. And I guess my last injury, which required me to have surgery, I was I was ski racing. And the last run, 
I took a bad fall. I hurt my knee, but it wound up being like a chronic issue because I could I could do stuff, but I couldn't run. Yeah. So I finally had surgery in December. And always after I go back, it's like I'm a little apprehensive of like going hard and, and if I want to win, which I do. I want to get out there and like not think about my injury because sometimes it's like you think about it so much and you make yourself more prone to get oh, another yeah. injury. Yep. What would you tell an athlete in that situation? Take a you have to take a little by little. You know, don't don't try to go full full speed if you're not ready yet. So that's why it goes with the systematic desensitization, little by little. Little wins. You know, you're you're walking and if you feel comfortable walking, then you start power walking. Not even saying jogging. You start power walking and see how that's going. And you do that a couple more times and then you start jogging. And then again, it, it, it allows you to pick up that confidence. Okay. All right. So I feel good with jogging. Let me do a short sprint. You know what I mean? I'm not doing a whole hundred yard dash. Let me do, you know, 10, 10 yards. Let's see what that is. Let me do some high knees, you know, to, to see how my stability of my injury is, is going. Constant practice to help you feel confident in your your performance. And then the hardest part is there's going to be different types of tests. You know, after you do things by yourself, okay, I'm feeling confident. Now it's going to be all right with with some obstacles. So like so for a football player, it would be like okay, going returning back to practice. You know what I mean? This is a whole nother level. How is how is it in practice speed? That you feel confident with that? Now it's going to be game speed. Right. So after you conquer that, it's going to be OK. Now it's going to be like championship game speed. So so it's, it's different levels that you have to be cognizant of. You know, once you feel confident and OK, I'm good in practice. It doesn't mean you take a step back and, and you stop doing your routine to help you continue to build that muscle memory, that confidence. You know, because you feel like you got you already got it. But no, you have to continue that. You have to continue that, that mental strength, that mental training, that, you know, the, that extra step to help you be at your optimal level. What do you do with athletes say that they they go through these steps, they get confidence, and they have a setback. It might be a minor setback, but that makes them a little apprehensive about going back to that higher step, even though they might just need to slow down a little bit. The thing is, I love working with athletes. Athletes, we're, we're competitive. We, we take a step back. It's, it's, it's frust- more frustrating than anything. That's why I'm, I'm big with 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 quotes and words, I tell them stepping stones, not gravestones, right? They're like, yeah, okay. All right. You still want to do this? Let's, let's, let, let's take, let's take a moment. Let's, let's see what we can do to pivot, but you know, don't allow this to end your career. You know, life, life's going to throw these things at you, you know, whether on the, on the court, on the field or off the field or off the court. Um, so, so this is just a life lesson that you're, that you're dealing with. And, and we, we just continue you know processing through it. You know, once they start getting some wins under their belt, you start seeing that momentum start happening. And that's the key. We're trying to build momentum for them. And once you start building that momentum, it's, it's just starts going. And again, there, there may be some setbacks and then, okay, all right, let's, let's build that momentum up again. And it's all about how much they, they, they want it, you know, and so a lot of times there might be some people that, that they're just, they're just burnt out. And they may need to take a break from the sport. I've had some kids take a break from the sport. Stress and anxiety can be crippling, but at the same time, it's that the, the anxiety that kind of makes it fun, that competitive edge, the, the not knowing, it, it makes you excited. But sometimes it's like the anxiety can be crippling. And I was reading this article about how 
instead of um, using that anxiety to motivate you, but not make it make it crippling. Because um, when we get excited, it turns on that those endorphins that that you need to get out there and compete. But some kind of way dissociated from the anxiety that can keep you from being high performance. Absolutely. You know, anxiety is an emotion. You know, we all have it. I can't tell people not to be anxious. When it's interfering with your daily living and it's interfering with your performance, that's when it needs to be worked on. So everybody gets those, you know, before a game, you get those pregame jitters and everything like that. Then the butterflies in your stomach, you're supposed to have that. If you don't have that, it means you're not, it means you, you, you checked out. So you're supposed to have that. But if that, those butterflies turn to just not performing at your, at your level, you're, you're just shocked and you're, you're, you're not, you're not doing anything and you're, you're, it's, you're frozen, you're freezing in your performance. Then that's when we have to work on that. You know, I've had this, this, uh, catcher who was so anxious, you know, that he was going to overthrow the ball to the, to the pitcher. So he would just freeze every single time. And that, and it's all because of this overthinking. We're overthinking and we're psyching ourselves out. And so I, I try to help the individuals you know, put more energy to what they have power over. So what I mean by this, I have them think that your mind is like a constant stream of consciousness. You're always thinking, right? Even when you're not thinking. Yeah. Even when you're not thinking, you're thinking about not thinking. So you're always thinking. So I have them visualize it as like a, like a river, right? So, you know, when you, when you visualize a river, it's always flowing, right? Let's just say you take red paint and you dump it in that river. Don't ever really do that. But let's just say for, for this, you take red paint, you dump it in that river and you look down. What do you see? See the red paint, right? Let's just say if you wait about an hour, hour and a half and you look back down again, what do you see? It should be should gone. Be gone, right? At least most of Why? it. Why? Because the, the water in the river kind of overtakes yeah. the paint. Yeah. And exactly. And the, and the water's constantly flowing. And that's just like your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we're going to have these red paint thoughts that, that try to plague us for just a for just a while that, oh man, I don't think I can get this done. And, like, and sometimes all we need to do is just allow those thoughts to run through our body, allow it to run through our mind. What happens if you try to fight those thoughts, it plagues you more and more, right? A lot of people tell me, how do I, you know, how can you stop me from thinking about, you know, you know, this thing, I'm like, I can't do it. Cause that's how your mind, that's how your mind works. It's like me saying, don't think about a pink elephant in this room right now. Don't think about a pink elephant. And that's what you think about when you say exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's about understanding how, what, what power that you have, you know, you gotta, you gotta put energy to what, what you have control over. You can't, you can't control what goes on in your mind, but you can control how long you want it to stay. So, so it's a, and a lot of times when, when they start, you know, when they have that realization of, what power they're giving, what energy they're giving um, this anxiety, it it actually just, it actually fixes itself because, uh, you know, awareness is the key to any type of change and awareness is the key to um, to help deal with anxiety and those, those types of just frozen type of moments. I'm going to think about that, the paint in the yeah. river when I have an issue. <laughs> yes, red paint in the river. Um, part of my podcast is inviting guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. What are some obstacles that you had to overcome either professionally or personally? I know you mentioned you had a few injuries in college or PCL, but what are some other 
injuries. It could be sports related as well. Yeah, obviously the the sports injuries is, is definitely a big obstacle. And, you know, when, you know, you have a certain thought of where, you know, of your where you want to go. Like, my, you know, my thought was, OK, I'm going to work really hard to, to try to at least become like a free agent you know, in the, in, for the NFL and things like that, you know, when that injury, when that injury happens, it stops that thought and it makes you it have you realize, oh man, this is probably the last time I'm going to be playing this game for career wise. I mean, that's, you know, that was a big obstacle. I had to realize that, you know, when I'm done, you know, when I was done, you know, playing, playing the game that I, I loved, you know, I came from, you know, um, West African family that immigrated over here back in the, the eighties, you know, the 80s in New York was was not like New York now. I mean, that that was a light. That was an obstacle itself. You know, living life and trying to figure out going to eat, trying to figure out safety wise. So, you know, it was definitely a lot in, in that that aspect. One of my most recent obstacles is just um, the story of my daughter. My, my daughter, she's two years old right now, going to be three. But um, just her 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 life has been an obstacle. When she was born, she was 12 pounds. And if anybody, you know, that's a female knows 12 pound baby that's about to be delivered is that's, that's going to give complication itself. You know, she was delivered and she came out unresponsive. And, and, uh, when the, when the doctor talked with us, um, they're saying, you know, there could have been, you know, there's, there's chances of, of brain damage and there's, um, you know, there's going to be an arm paralysis called herbs palsy. So, you know, I mean, that was a big challenge. Um, the good part about it is that the the MRI showed that there was no brain damage. You know, we we found that out like a week and a half after. And yeah. And, you know, with with the arm paralysis, we we did physical therapy to to help strengthen that arm. And that arm's a strong arm now. She, you know, she she punches me with it and I allow it. And that, <laughs> you know, that that's that's her strong arm. And, you know, so that, that was a big obstacle. And then, you know, eight months later we found out she was diagnosed with cancer. She had what we call an, um, a neuroblastoma that was inside her lungs. You know, we caught it, I would say maybe, maybe a month in time. If it was a month later, there would have been a 50, 50 chance of survival. It was a 25 chance, a 25 chance of, uh, 75 chance of survival when we caught it. It'd have been a 50, 50 chance if, if we waited a little longer. So, and I found out on my birthday through the, um, we have like the chop like children's hospital we have an app so they just they just put it on mm-hmm. they just put like oncology surgery on there so we we didn't like the doctor didn't tell us about the cancer so we found we found out about that just through my phone so you know those were challenges right there but i have to you know what i had to do is practice what i preach i had to look at what i had control over and and put mm-hmm. you know put energy to that you know, give power to, you know, one to God, but also, you know, the surgeons and things like that. She's, she's now, you know, in remission and cancer free. So, which is great. But, um, at the end of the day, I still love life. Life is an, is an amazing thing. You know, time is a, is a blessing. It's a, it's a gift. You know, I'm able to experience and I can experience for those who can't experience any longer. So, so, you know, whether good things or bad things, I'm able to experience it and, and overcome it. So that's how I look at it. So through your life, um, people have poured into you. You mentioned going to a boarding school for at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. What are things that you do now to pour into other people, whether it be professionally or um, personally? Absolutely. I've been trying to dedicate you know, my adult life to 
try to help out others. One, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. one doing therapy, that's a, that's one thing, you know, um, cause again, I, I live by, I live by quotes, right? And one of my quotes is, mm-hmm. you know, it was by Pablo Picasso. And he said, the meaning of life is to find your gift, but the purpose of life is to give that, that gift away. You know, I was blessed enough to find my gift. You know, every, everything, every opportunity possible, I try to give that gift away. You know, I'm part of a couple organizations. Um, I'm part of this organization called Black Men Heal, which is, um, it provides free, uh, free therapy to black men in the tri-state area. It helps break the stigma um, for mental health in the, in the black and brown communities, especially for our men who are suffering in silence. You know, I, I do that. I'm also part of the Boris Henson Foundation, which is founded by Taraji Henson. We do cohorts of free therapy. We did that during um, COVID times. We, we were doing free therapy in the black and brown communities, virtual therapy. And then also just finding out, you know, giving opp- opportunities to help break the stigma um, on mental health. You know, I, I try to mentor as much as possible, you know, with, with, with just any, any platform that I'm, I'm on, you know, from, from clubhouse, from, from Instagram, from anything like that. I, I try to provide, you know, as much knowledge as, as possible. So what would you tell my listeners who are athletes and feel that they would benefit from a sports psychologist or anyone who would benefit from a psychologist? What's the best way to find one? For anything, for 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 mental health, for if, whether if it's sports psychology, whether if it's just dealing with with life problems, I recommend I recommend anybody and everybody to to find a therapist um, that fits with you. So a good way that you can do so one is just you know simple psychology today. Psychology today is um one of the biggest platforms and directories of finding a a therapist in your area. And it lets you know if they take insurance or not, or how much would they, how much they they charge, or anything like that. So that's that's one of the main things. Also, again, the Boris Henson Foundation. That's we have a directory as well, you know, for individuals of color. Um, therapy for Black girls. That's a good one. Okay. Um, black men heal. And also, yeah, if anybody has any questions, you can always just find me on Instagram. Um, you know, um, at Fonz the Therapist. People DM me all the time to try to, you know, navigate them, you know, to finding, you know, um, a a a therapist as well. Uh, for the sports portion, you know, um, depending on your level of, of of performance, you know, a lot of a lot of um teams have an affiliated, you know, um sports performance, you know, psychologist, sports, you know, uh, sports behaviorist. I know in the NFL they they've been working with that with uh, with having that and the high, the higher schools, the higher up schools, um. More the, you know, the the D one schools. They, you know, I know they're starting to have one on on staff as well. But yeah, if anybody has any questions, again, just you know, you can just always just you know find me on on any of the platforms from from Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can Google Brightside Counseling. You can Google Alfonso Nathan, and I can help you out. I know you have your um, different programs that you're affiliated with. They they can't afford um, mental health services, or their insurance doesn't cover it. Um, what's the best route to look for someone maybe with a pro bono or like like residents and training or different routes that they make in those, those directories I was telling I was telling you about, you know, um there there are a lot of there are a lot of um therapists who provide either a sliding scale, which is, you know, if you can't afford their their full rate, you, you know, they'll they can 
they can work with you on what that looks like. Um, also, there are many therapists on that those sites that that do provide some pro bono pro bono counseling. Certain a lot of organizations, you know, if you if you look at a com- community mental health organizations, which which are going to start becoming much and more much more improved um, with, you know, which I think with a lot of funding that's that's gonna that should be happening. Mental health is in the forefront of everybody's mind. It's going to be a lot of funding that's going to be added into these community mental health centers, and anybody can anybody can get therapy. You know, um, okay. also if you're in school, your student service center, you can you can look at there. There's there's so many options now. There's been there's been so many directories and so many mm-hmm. organizations that are popping up because just the 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 need for it is happening all over. Any last minute words of advice or quotes? that you would like to share with my listeners? I have millions of quotes. Let's see. Lions don't lose sleep over the opinion of sheep. The meaning of life is to find your gift, but the purpose of life to give is to give that gift away. A smart man learns from his own mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. Those are all, all quotes. But yeah. uh, what, yeah. what, what I would say, you know, from just the listeners is that um, if you're, you know, you don't have to suffer in silence. It does. It doesn't make you weak to ask for help. It makes you much stronger to to do so, um, and just know that there's help out there, and and there's, there's people out there willing to 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 help you out. We are individuals who evolve, and just just knowing that this situation that we're in right now is not going to kill us. It's going to make us stronger. It's going to make us smarter. It's going to make us faster. It's going to make us, you know, wiser. And just just know that the situation you're in right now, it's not. It doesn't need to be the situation that you're going to be in forever. You need to write a book of quotes. So put them together. I know. All this free time I got. Right? <laughs> thank you for joining me. I enjoyed our discussion. Right, thank you. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email runitischeaperthantherapy, OLB, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's runitischeaperthantherapy, Omaha Love Brown, at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you, and please tune in again.